Okay, Liz, here's some quick math. The less your business spends on operations, multiple systems, delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs, you cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems, and you improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash hollywood. NetSuite.com slash Hollywood. NetSuite.com slash Hollywood. Hey everyone, Sarah and I recorded the following episode of Happier in Hollywood before COVID-19 really took a hold. We were getting ahead for our spring break plans. So you won't hear us talking about it much, but we want to release the episode anyway because we know many of you are looking for a break from the news. We hope you enjoy it and that it provides a nice break. Hi, and welcome to Happier in Hollywood, the podcast about how to be happier, healthier, saner, more creative, more successful, and more productive in a backbiting, superficial, chaotic, unpredictable, fundamentally insane world. I'm Sarah Fain, a TV writer and producer living in L.A., and with me is my high school friend and writing partner, Liz. That's me, Liz Craft. On this podcast, we talk about being writers in Hollywood, how we balance a career and friendship, and how to survive the war of attrition that is life in Los Angeles. Welcome to our Seize the Day episode. Today is all about why we should carpe diem. Yes, we have a theme. We love a good theme. (laughs) We're going to explore why it's a good idea to say something right away, especially if it's something potentially touchy. Then in the craft and vein, we'll explore the value of using the good stuff in your script right away. And our Fashion Hollywood hack will also encourage you to seize the day. Before we get started, we want to remind everyone that we have canceled our March 22nd meetup in L.A. Now, as soon as it's safe, of course, we'll reschedule But in the meantime, there is a bit of good news, Sarah. (laughs) Yes. We finally have more of our Happier in Hollywood Sillipint Travel Cups, the beautiful rainbow Sillipints. Yes. So if you already sent a request, you will be hearing from us soon. If you want a cup, send us an email to happierinhollywood at gmail.com. For new requests, we've had to up the price to $25 to cover mailing costs, which are more than we expected. And if you want more Sillipint products, go to Sillipint.com. Use our code HAPPY20 for 20% off your first order. Sarah, we also want to follow up on our discussion in episode 147 about Schrodinger's cat, which, to remind everyone, is not an actual cat. (laughs) It's a thought experiment devised by an Austrian physicist that pretty much summarizes our career right now. The idea is that if you put a cat in a box with a poison gas bomb and the bomb has 50% chance of going off, the cat is both alive and dead until you open the box. And it turns out a lot of you relate to having a Schrodinger's cat in your life or in our case, you know, more than one. And the same is true for many of you. It was 
fascinating. We got like the most yes. wonderful emails and Facebook comments on this subject. Yeah, so let's go through some. Alice said, Dear Liz and Sarah, I was just listening to your Schrodinger's cat episode in which you asked for listener feedback about our cat-in-a-box situations. I genuinely sympathize with the tough emotional situation you find yourselves in, although my cat scenario is quite different. I've been going through IVF, fertility treatment, and each cycle feels a lot like Schrodinger's cat. After the embryo transfer, you could either be pregnant or not pregnant. And you have to wait up to two weeks for a blood test to confirm. During this time, you're constantly struggling with whether or not to take a pregnancy test at home, which feels a lot like the question of whether to open the box to find out whether the cat is dead or alive. It's a very emotionally draining situation. I mention this because I know so many women who go through this in secret and really suffer the emotional turbulence while feeling alone. It's not something most women feel they can openly share. Your episode was a good reminder that so many of us experience different versions of this emotional turbulence. I genuinely believe when we share our struggles, it makes them just a little easier to bear. And I agree with Sarah. Opening the box is painful, but it allows you to heal and move on. Alice, thank you for sharing that. We actually heard from many people who have the same experience of fertility treatments, that sense of you are and you aren't at the same time. It's really tough, and you are definitely not alone. There were a lot of people who responded to that. Yes. Now, here's a totally different Schrodinger's cat. Aaron says, being a novelist waiting to hear from literary agents, me, and being a high school senior waiting on college admissions decisions, my son... So Ugh. they both got a Schrodinger's cat. Oh, my God. Her son's both in and not in at wherever he applied. Oh, that's tough. Yes. Um, and then Lisa wrote, Our house is on the market as a teardown. It didn't sell last year. I'm not convinced it will sell this year. We are pretty firm on a price as we don't have to move, but we are both moving, i.e. don't paint, don't replace curtain that is ripped, and not moving, make place more pleasant, causing me internal friction and apparently no one else in my home. (laughs) That's funny. (laughs) Oh, we feel for you. (laughs) Okay, Sarah, here's one that you're going to love from Helen. She's talking about Schrodinger's lambs. (laughs) She says, we have a small farm in southwestern Australia. This year, we have approximately 64 ewes that are pregnant with Schrodinger's cats. Are they (laughs) pregnant? Are they pregnant with twins? Will they both live? Will the mother reject the lamb? Will we find the rejected lambs before they die? Will foxes take any lambs? Every day is Schrodinger's cat on a farm. Lambs are born and unborn, abandoned and not abandoned, taken by foxes, eagles, crows, and not taken. Bottle fed and fed by mum. It's delightful and wonderful and stressful and sad and perfect. And let's not talk about the most Schrodinger's lamb event ever when I had to (laughs) put my hand in a warm place on a cold night to literally check whether the lamb was born or not born. Oh, my gosh. Amazing. Also, I just want to say I'm making a list of our listeners with sheep farms. Yes. And then I'm just going to do like a big world tour. tour. Yes. Yes. So many of you have a Schrodinger's cat job situation like us, whether it's your job or your spouse's job. Jessica wrote, Schrodinger's job. I found out a couple weeks ago that part of my company is being reorganized. Subsequently, my boss and I are no longer part of the new org chart. 
Though the head of the function has indicated they have every intention to find a place for me, I'm both in my position and not in my position. But thanks to this podcast, I realize that life still goes on when work or life doesn't turn out as you expected and planned. So while I'm in a Schrodinger's cat situation, it's not nearly as stressful as it could be for this cat. I'm starting to get comfortable in ambiguity. Decorate the inside of the box. I'm attending trainings, feeding the cat. So while they may have decided when I was put into the box, I was prepared and they are not my only option to get out alive. (laughs) (laughs) I love all these uh, metaphors. Isabel had a slightly different take on a job situation, having listened. She said, hi, Liz and Sarah. Listening to your podcast made me realize I am having a Schrodinger's cat situation right now and realize the cat is dead. I've been trying to transition from my full-time job as a marketing coordinator for a big company into a freelance marketing consultant for smaller companies. I had an interview last week with a freelance agency who told me they would let me know either way within one business day. It's been about four business days and no response. Listening to your podcast made me realize no never comes and I should look for other options. Nice. Okay. Sometimes the cat has starved to death. That's right. And finally, there are a couple that we can all relate to right now. Brooke wrote, Schrodinger's quarantine. My schedule for the next few weeks, months, is both packed and empty as I wait to see what gets canceled for coronavirus. Already two events I had planned on attending have been canceled. The college next to mine has gone to all online classes, and my sister's office has declared a... WFH. I assume that's work from home. Every time I leave class, I wonder if I'll be back in the classroom next week. And every time I get an email from the school, I think this is it. Add that to the fact that I've been job searching for the past six months, trying to move to L.A., and thus can't schedule anything more than a month out because what if I finally get to move? And I'm taking scheduling commitments week by week these days at best. Schrodinger's quarantine. It's a thing. Yep. Ashley finally has um, another (laughs) coronavirus-related cat. She says, Schrodinger's toilet paper for those in Australia. As you may have heard, there is some weird run on toilet paper in Australia at the moment, somehow related to Corona, also in the United States. Yes. I work for a business that sells toilet paper. We are getting (laughs) calls all day about whether we have had a delivery. At any moment in time, there could be toilet paper in store or not. I am the cat. I have jumped out of the box and I am running for the hills. (laughs) I hope that I never have to answer another toilet paper question as long as I live. Ashley, we feel your pain. So thank you, everybody, for sending these. Keep sending them because there's so much. uh, There's just so um, much fodder there. Yes, please keep sending them because they are amazing to read. Okay, Sarah, it's time for From the Treadmill Desk of, in which we discuss what's most pressing in our work psyches. And right now, in keeping with our Seize the Day theme, it's say something right away. We've all had the experience of wanting to say something, but choosing not to in the moment. Yes. And the more time passes, the harder it becomes to actually say it. And Sarah, this is something we really have to pay attention to, to try to say something right away. Yeah. Because I feel like our Midwestern drive to be polite or overly polite sometimes causes us to keep our mouths shut. Yes. When we should, in fact, be speaking up. And this happened recently. Yes. Um, And it wasn't a big deal, but we just sort of, in hindsight, we're like, oh, we should have just said something right away. Mm -hmm. Um, We were consulting on a pitch. And the subject came up about whether you should write out every word of a pitch 
or sort of have your points and then extemporaneously say the pitch each time. Yes. And this is an ongoing debate in our little community. Absolutely. And some people feel very strongly yes. in both directions for a variety of reasons. Yes. We strongly feel strongly for, for most people mm-hmm. it's a good idea to write out the entire pitch word for word and deliver it word for word yes there are reasons for that which is basically it makes it less stressful because you have in front of you exactly what you're going to say and you don't have to worry you're going to forget something and that to me makes it less stressful Well, and there are certain things that sell a pitch, and it's so much of it is in exactly how it's said. A particular phrase landed the exact right way can make all the difference. Yes. So that's how we feel. And we were in this situation, and the subject came up of, was this pitch going to be written out word for word or not? And we did not speak up and say, hey, We really feel it should be written out word for word. Here's why. Here's our argument. We just sort of thought, well, we'll see how it goes. Right. Others felt very strongly the other direction. We spoke up, but not as, like, strongly as we should have. And I think we would do that differently. Yes, because then as time went by, it's like, well, now we can't say something Mm -hmm. because it's going to imply that we think the pitch isn't good or you know which that it we was. Don't, which it was good or really that we good. don't have trust in the person pitching which we did have trust mm-hmm. in them it's just that we feel it goes more smoothly but it would have amplified it if we'd said it right away it would have just been like oh okay right. interesting yeah. you know and we yeah. would have discussed it so that it was a lesson learned yes and it's so often the case that it's easier to say something right away If you don't, it gets bigger, then becomes sort of obvious you've been, like, stewing and mulling and holding it in. And, like, it can keep you from feeling like you're a team player if you have this thing that you're that you're holding in. Yeah. You know, if you then express it later, you can sort of seem like a spoiler, Mm -hmm. you know, like. Well, I've been thinking about this for two weeks, and I think <laughs> yeah. that the the room should be blue, not red. You know, yeah. just you should have spoken up and said, I'd like the room to be blue immediately yeah. if you knew that was the case. Yes. So, you know, it's just one of these things that we realize as time goes by. And Sarah, I actually have a micro example of this mm. in my private life. What is that? Well, you know how sometimes when you're eating with someone, they'll like say... Is there anything you don't like? And, uh-huh. You know, the instinct is often to say, oh, I like everything or anything's fine. Yeah. But I decided I was just, anytime someone asked me, I was just going to immediately say I detest salmon because I really <laughs> don't like salmon and yeah. I can't fake eat salmon. Right. Most things, you know. Right. You're not going to be, well, I don't like chicken on the bone. I don't like salmon. Yes. I don't like that. Yeah. You know, but I'm just like, I really hate salmon. And a lot of people serve salmon. Right. That's the thing. Yes. Like, you know, there's most people don't serve liver. I don't feel the need to say I don't <laughs> eat liver. Heads up. <laughs> but salmon, you got a good 50 percent chance That's of being true. served salmon. That is true. So I just say I don't like salmon. And sometimes I also say lamb, depending on mm. who it is, if I think they might serve lamb. So that's my thing. That's a good one. I was thinking about this. I have a, a a recent example in my own life as well. I won't say who this was, but I was at a party recently and someone that we know who we've worked with for a while was there. 
And I wouldn't even say if it's a man or a woman. They said, they saw me and they said, oh, is your wife here? Uh-huh. <laughs> and I was like, I said, I said, oh, I'm not married. <laughs> Instead of saying what? <laughs> I couldn't be like, oh, I'm not married and I'm not gay. Yeah. I just was just like, I just was like, well, I was like, oh, well, I'll just leave them with one misimpression. <laughs> but now do you wish you just said right away? Yes. Like, you realize I'm not gay or married. <laughs> You're doubly wrong. Because now if you see them and they find out, totally. it's awkward. And, yes. Yes. So, all right. So we're going to work oh. on more speaking up right away, personally yeah. and professionally. Yes. All over it. And I want to know, have you all wished that you said something right away? Um, tell us what it was and what happened when you didn't say it. Email us or send us a voice memo to happierinhollywood at gmail.com. Next up, we talk carpe diem in a script. But first, this break. Liz, there is nothing I love more than having a delicious meal that I didn't have to cook, which is why I have been getting no prep, no mess meals from Factor. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. Last night, I had blackened salmon with broccoli and with cauliflower rice. It was so delicious. It was the perfect dinner. Head to factormeals.com slash HIH50 and use code HIH50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code HIH50 at factormeals.com slash HIH50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Okay, it's time for The Craft and Fane, in which we discuss the craft of writing, because while TV writing is an art, it's also a craft. Today, we're exploring why we do things right away in a script. Yeah, so let's explain what we mean. Yeah. If there is one TV writing lesson that we have learned over the years, it's that almost always our script will benefit from moving things up. Yes. Um, and this extends also to like the whole season, to moving events up in the season. Yeah. So don't hold on to your good stuff. Use it right away. Right. Very often, if you're breaking a story, I'm like I'm literally thinking back to when we were on Angel mm-hmm. and something would be at the end of Act One. Or And then suddenly it would be like, well, that should be the end of the teaser. Yes. And we're like, wait, why did that happen? Or like the end of the episode will suddenly become the end of Act One. And at the time, it was very disorienting. Yes. And now, of course, we just know like, okay, put it on the board. Yes. But the odds are really excellent yes. that all that good stuff is going to move up. Yes. I mean, often the end of a pilot, like if we're thinking of a pilot, Mm -hmm. what we initially think would be the end of the pilot by the end of our first day of discussions will end up being the the end of act one. Yes. Or even the end of the teaser. I know. And it's interesting because I think, you know, 
years ago, it probably would have taken us two rebreaks yes. to get to that. And now we don't even get that far. We're just like, okay, let's let's look at this and see. Oh, yes, exactly. Yes, that should be, in fact, the end of Act One. I just was thinking I pitched something to you the other day, uh-huh. a concept, and you're like, well, when would the person get murdered? And I said, oh, probably like episode eight. And you were like, or like Act One of the pilot. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, that's better. Yeah, probably. Probably. Probably that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it's so funny because we move things up so often. Yeah. Like, it's hard to even think of specific examples because, it, I mean, it, it's constant. Yeah. Constant. Yeah. And if I could give one piece of writing advice to everyone out there, it would be if you're having issues with your script, see if that could solve some of them. Absolutely. And I think often people don't want to do it because... There's a certain confidence in knowing that you have a big thing at the end or Mm. knowing that you have a big thing somewhere in the script and you're afraid Mm -hmm. that if you move it, it will be hard to come up with something as great or hard to come up with something to fill all of what becomes then that blank space on the board. So you have to just be confident that you can do it. You can come up with something else amazing. You can come up with more story. Well, and Sarah, I mean, we just went through this on our plastics pilot for ABC, which didn't get made. But side note, (laughs) um, we had this character who was returning to New York, and we finally realized, oh, wait, she has to be in, like, the first scene of Act One. Yeah. She can't come in at the end of Act One or halfway through Act One she needs to be the first thing that happens. And yeah. then that made everything else work so much better. We resisted yeah. it for like a good two weeks, I think. Yeah. But once we grasped that, the all the stories worked better. Yes. And, and I'm just thinking about the fix, because this is not just within a script. If you're doing uh, an entire season— mm-hmm. The same thing is true. On The Fix, we had a big discovery that, you know, there was a bag that had all this evidence in it that was hidden. And our plan was to have it be hidden for a really, really, really long time. And then the room was like, well, what about if this happens with the bag in, I think, episode four? Yeah. And we were like, oh, yeah. All right. Yeah. That's clearly what it should be. Move it up. Change the whole season. But that's just how it goes. Yeah. And I do think, just to reassure everyone, a lot of times you have to go through the process to then see what needs to move up. Yeah. So none of us should beat ourselves up that it takes a little time because you're wrapping your head around the whole story and you need time to sort of see, okay, what jumpstarts the story? Yeah. What is the inciting incident? What makes us, you know, grab onto the story? So... So anyway, if you're having trouble, you know, use your story right away. Yes. Okay, next up, a trendy Hollywood hack. But first, this break. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Okay, Sarah, it is time for this week's Hollywood hack. 
And of course, our, our theme, of course, our theme is seize the day. Mm-hmm. So our hack is jump on a trend right away. Yes. You have been feeling the particular pain of this one recently. Yes. What I realized is I am one of those people who <laughs> sees a trend happening all around me. White boots are an example. Yes. Like everyone had white boots and I was like, I'm not getting white boots. I'm not getting white boots. Then I finally broke down and got white boots. And now I feel like the trend is over. Right. Um, High-waisted jeans. We waited forever to get on the high-waisted jeans. Yes. As trend. you know, wide leg jeans. It's still jeans. going, I think. I resisted forever. Yes. And then I love them. Yes. Now, those, I think, are still going on. So Thank you didn't God. wait too long. Leopard print. Yes. I mean, leopard print is a perfect example There was a moment where suddenly everyone was wearing leopard print. Yeah. That was the time to run out and buy leopard print. Like now, for God's sake, don't buy leopard print. (laughs) Right? If you have if you miss that trend, yeah. Don't jump on it now. I don't know. Are we sure that that one's gone? I haven't been paying much attention to it. I think it's the print situation. I think it's gone for the moment. I think Uh that leopard print will come back, of course. It's kind of a perennial. Yeah. But the massive amount of it. Right. You know. Right. Yes. Um, so here's my current trend, Sarah, that okay. I am not jumping onto, although I probably should. Western booties. Okay. Short yes. boots in Western style. Right. And I have to say, thank God for you, because you are the person who at least notices the trend. Right. I was like, what? Really? I will tell you that when I see these, I think they're ugly. I don't <laughs> like them. I'm like, I would never wear Western right. booties. And yet, I'm like, cut to a year from now, I'm probably going to buy Western booties just as the trend is in. Thinking, by the way, that they're the cutest things you've ever seen. yes. Loving them. Yeah. Loving them. I also, I have to say, I totally can see you in Western booties. Well, we'll see. I I very well (laughs) may get some. Now, if anyone's wondering what Western Uh, booties look like, the expensive version of them are the Golden Goose Western booties, um, which we'll link to if you want to see what they look like. They're super cute, I have to say. The particular pair, I put a picture in your notes. Um, those are cute. Yeah. Those are the cutest ones. They're sort of silvery, um, modeled silver, I guess yeah. you would call it. Yeah, they're cute. So anyway, that's it. Jump on a trend right away, because if you're going to get those coveralls, just get them. I know, right? Because that, I don't know, is that going to stick around? Well, no. That's why I'm saying, well, I'm saying now it's too late. But I mean... Get them the moment you realize it. Yes. And also, of course, we have to acknowledge that you can ignore trends. Absolutely. You can just, as I often do, <laughs> completely, completely ignore them. I'm going to call it rise above, but let's yes. be honest, it's just ignoring. Yes. Um. So do that. That is also totally okay. But if yes. you're not, carpe diem the trend. Embrace yes. those tuxedo-striped bell-bottom denim overalls. Immediately. And that is it for this Seize the Day episode of Happier in Hollywood. For questions or comments, email us or send us a voice memo to happierinhollywood at gmail.com. Thanks for listening and please subscribe if you haven't already. Yes, and do it right away. Seize the day. Don't wait. Thanks to our executive producer, the amazing Chuck Reed, and thanks to everyone at Sancola Sound. You can follow them on Instagram at Sancola Sound. Thanks to everyone at Cadence 13. And as always, thank you to Gretchen Rubin. Happier in Hollywood is part of the Onward Project. Check out the other Onward Project podcasts, Happier with Gretchen Rubin, Side Hustle School, and Do the Thing with Whole30's Melissa Urban. 
get in touch. I'm on Instagram at S Fain and Liz is at Liz Craft. We also have a Facebook group. Search for Happier in Hollywood on Facebook to join in on the conversation. Until next week, I'm Liz Craft. And I'm Sarah Fain. Thanks for joining us. It's a fun job. And we enjoy it. My question is, am I ever going to be able to pronounce Schrodinger's cat without having to say it three times or say it incredibly slowly? Schrodinger's cat. Schrodinger's cat. Meanwhile, I'm sure we're saying it wrong anyway. Probably. Because we're not, in fact, Austrian. From the Onward Project.